0: The kicked out of school, taught myself how to DJ and that was the like way out for me. And DJ ended up becoming my hobby slash job. But it was something that gave me a purpose and that was the first time ever where I actually felt like maybe this is what I'm meant to do. Maybe I'm not meant to be the property person or the bank person or the recruitment person, which is the same thing that everyone else was going into. The one and only Josh White. Josh White. Josh White. He's the founder of Cano Water, He's lovely cans of still and sparkling water. My experience when starting can of water was not of a good one because people were extremely negative about why on earth would you want to put water in a can. Welcome to the Redefined podcast brought to you by The One Club, the world's first invite-only digital private members club. The ambition of this podcast is to explore the untold stories of entrepreneurs, athletes, influencers and more.
1: Thank you for thank joining for us me. thank you thank you uh, today we 're just going to talk about your personal journey. I know th- there'll be lots of questions and sure. we 've got a q and a Q&A afterwards, but we'll talk about your personal journey, your redefined journey. Um, so I always start this with at the beginning, so the beginning of your life what was what was young josh like
0: uh, wild uh, i was um I was not your average child. I always felt different um, was sort of I, w- I was a happy i was a happy child you know had an amazing uh, and do have an amazing family but i always uh, yearned for more i wouldn 't say that i was i wasn't i wasn 't competitive, but i always was a bit crazy, and if someone jumped ten stairs, jumped down ten stairs, I would jump down twenty stairs. And I was always sort of a bit, a bit mental. My my parents told me a story of when I was uh, when I was a kid that all the all the children would um, would sort of just play together, and they would have to barricade me in um, on holiday um, in in sunbeds around so they literally <laughs> I was in the middle, and um, I just yeah i just i just always felt different okay and that that was something that that for my childhood i didn't know why i felt different and i and i learned later in life what what that was but i never felt i looked around and i never felt normal
1: okay interesting (laughs) the most successful people aren't normal so yeah and then moving on to kind of school and and studies What, what what did you study when you were at school
0: um, I didn't really study. And okay. I think that was, you know, that was my one of my fears. And I, and I speak about it a lot because... It's quite awkward for me to sit here um, and, and be perceived as an entrepreneur because an entrepreneur was never in my, what I perceived as to be in my DNA. It wasn't, it wasn't an achievable goal for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I never looked at myself as being that. I never uh, thought that I could ever be that. Um, uh, school life for me was probably uh, some of my most painful days. Um, I suffered severely, you know, which we've spoken about, with um, a- a- addiction and um, ADHD I actually got diagnosed with ADHD when I was 11 years old and I think that you know when I talk about not feeling normal that is where a lot of uh, things started to make a lot of sense of why I was so hyperactive why I couldn't concentrate why I would um, I was I'm a visual learner I couldn't uh, I I, if I wasn't interested in something I I just I would it would feel like I was in Narnia I'd be in another another world. But if I was interested in something like art and music um, or you know a TV, I I physically could not revise for exams. But if I watched a film, I could tell you every single bit of detail um, about that about that program or that film. Music for me was and and still to this day is an enormous um it, it is an enormous part of my life part of my journey one of the things that has sort of got me out of a lot of uh, a lot of trouble and it t- sort of takes me into a, into another world and it's this dopamine hit that i crave mm-hmm. where later in life i've learned a, a lot of positives about adhd but when i got diagnosed with adhd it was all negative it was all sort of like you know I was on report at school and I had to I was always in the bottom sets and I was I was looked at as someone that um, that was probably less than and -hmm. and my peers I I, I became the class clown because that was all I that was all I really could could amount to that was how I could yeah that was how I could sort of gain uh, some attention but to be completely honest with you as a, as, as some, I wasn't someone that was, that was, that was clever or uh, academically achieved anything. So my school years were really um, were really painful and that's where my, you know, and I speak very openly about it, that's where my addiction to alcohol very much took, I've got a very addictive personality and it took over because I found everyday life massively tricky. Yeah. Um, because I didn't feel like I fit in and um i used alcohol at a very young age as an escape
1: yeah we've we've spoken about that and so how has being how long have you been sober for now it's it's...
0: um i've been uh, so i haven't drank for about 17 years um but i um i stopped drinking when i was 15 and i but i had had a blip when i was 19 so this year i will be 14 years clean so i'm 13 years amazing
1: yeah amazing great thank you and uh (laughs) How have you... obviously with that mindset? Did you feel that you could go into new business or, or, or new work opportunities were clear ahead? Was that?
0: A- I, I, I'll be honest with you. When I when I went into so I went into a rehab centre at fifteen. I was. Um, I was, I, was, I was very confused in life, you know. I, I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't really find myself until uh, my late 20s. Um, and I, lived, I, I sort of lived in this, this sort of not understanding uh, bubble for, for many, many years. And, um, you know, we'll go into my business life. But before business life, there is this... Josh finding himself life and Josh learning about himself. And, um, I would say that one of the biggest things for, for me has been, uh, on my sober journey is I have a clear head. Um, cause you know, as an addict, you've got an addictive personality, but I would use substances, Um, And and substances could be anything from alcohol to cigarettes to shopping Mm -hmm. to gym. It could be anything. Um, I needed something to take me out of reality. Mm -hmm. And I think that for me, the goal was to get to a place where I didn't need something to take me out of reality. Um, How do I just live in reality and and deal with it, it, you know, without... Substances, and that, that was something that was an enormous fear of mine because it is it, or, or the, re, the reason I did things was because of fear, mm-hmm. um, and whether it was fear of rejection or failure, or I can't deal with this. So, and I think that that, that, that was something that, that my early years was incredibly important. So, I wasn't thinking at all about business, I, mm-hmm. was, I was literally just thinking like it was like survival mode. Sure. I was, you know, yeah. I I was extremely depressed and extremely um, fearful. And and a lot of my fear, and this is what makes me, you know, why I'm so grateful to be where I am today. A lot of my fear was around my future. Mm -hmm. I would project, I would sit in my bed and worry about the next 10 years. And I wouldn't be able to sleep, and that was, uh, you know, a pattern of mine for many, many years. So, you know, it's funny. I, I get asked a lot of the time, like, what would you tell your younger self? And it's, you know, it's like your typical podcast question. And, uh, <laughs> and um, you know, my, my thing has always been like to, to not worry and just to, just to, just to. Just to just to go with just to go with the flow and, and go with life because i was i looked I looked at what everyone I looked at everyone else I never looked at me, I would look at you know what other not, not what other people had, but I would look at other people 's journeys and I would look at me as you know i 've always been very unconventional, so you know I left school. I, I, I didn't have any qualifications. I did. A, I started to do a degree in art. I never really um, knew what where that was going to take me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always been obsessed with music. And uh, one thing that was, you know, that I've been obsessed with since the age of eleven was DJing. Mm-hmm. You know, DJing for me was something that it took me. it it was weird it was like a drug for me and when i was 11 years old my dad bought me my first pair of dj decks and you know as someone with adhd hobbies are massively you know important because if you find something that you're completely and utterly obsessed with i've got this hyper focused mentality which we'll talk about after where cannon water and other parts of my life come into come into it but When I hyper focus into something, I become obsessed. And I've started to use that as a bit of a superpower, Mm -hmm. which I've seen today uh, as being a positive. And DJing for me was, you know, was that, I became Mm -hmm. completely obsessed with DJing. I um, got kicked out of school. I would come home um, and I would I just basically taught myself how to DJ and that was like a a, a way out for me and DJing basically ended up becoming my my hobby slash job but it was something that it gave me a purpose and that Mm -hmm. was the first time ever where I actually felt like actually maybe this is something that uh Maybe this is this is what I'm I'm meant to do. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not meant to be the property person or the bank person or the recruitment person, which is the same thing that everyone else is going into. Maybe it's okay to not do that mm-hmm. because everyone else is doing that, and it, it, it was an ego thing, you know. That's what everyone else is doing. But actually, maybe. Maybe it's okay to do something that I, uh, that I love doing and that makes me happy and not worry about what other people think. I think that's it. In, in my
1: life, that's you know, halted my kind of progression is just worrying about what people think and you would save so much time if you just didn't, obviously. <laughs> but uh, how, uh, I want to talk about mentors and the people that kind of pulled you out from that or, or inspired you to kind of think bigger. So how important were ment- are mentors? towards in your life.
0: I've always been, I always have been very afraid to ask for help and I think that's like a something that is, it's not even, it it, it isn't even an ego thing because I wouldn't actually say that I'm a, I wouldn't say that I am I mean, maybe other people would disagree. I'd like to think that I am not an egotistical person, um, so it's never been an ego thing around asking people for help. It's always been a fear thing mm-hmm. of like what people would think, and you know, when when we talk about can of water, I think that a lot of a lot of that was uh, was smashed, which which we'll go into. Um, do you know what? mentors and people I admire. So my dad came from from nothing. My dad is probably one of my biggest inspirations. He's someone that literally grew up on a council estate, had absolutely nothing, you know, started, uh, had a passion, went into business, has always, he's always been such a hard worker and someone that I've looked at and admired. Um, He's someone that has that has never he's never been he's never been a materialistic person Mm -hmm. he's someone that's that's done done well but he's never it's never been about oh it's never been about money yeah it's always been about he's the richest person because he has, has a family and he has, he has everything that he needs and he's always taught me to be comfortable and uh, I think that, you know, he, he's always been a massive inspiration to me um, throughout my life. And it, so, like, mentors-wise, I don't think that I've had had many at a young age because no. I wasn't around many sort of successful... Uh, you know I I was around families and family friends but no one that I sort of used as a mentor Mm
1: -hmm. Um,
0: whereas I do have you know I do have mentors now here and there Um, but it's more about inspirations Mm -hmm. and um, you know we talk about podcasts and, and even talks like this where I would I would get a lot of information from from those types of things in my early days of business that would massively help me when shit hit the fan and things yeah. went wrong. Yeah. Um, but I think if we're talking about mentors in general, I think mentors are incredibly important. You know, I get up to 30, 40 messages a week from new founders and even people that have been in business for a long time, asking for my help, and I always give my help mm-hmm. or like an advice. I'm very open um, to give advice because my experience when starting Cano Water, because I, I have there, you know, I did, I had a failed fail, failed business before Cano Water, which was probably a very important part of my life um, as a learning curve. but my experience when starting can of water was not of a good one, okay. because people were extremely negative about why on earth would you want to put water in a can? So <laughs> I think that there was a lot of doubters uh but i think that mentors are massively important especially if you want to get to if you don't know how to get to a to b you know people have got the answers
1: great and let's talk about the transition so from djing and i know you still dj
0: i do is that important to you it's important for my mind yeah yeah definitely you know i um music in general is extremely important for me. So as I mentioned, so whether I'm DJing or I am using music as a vehicle to sort of help me navigate my thoughts and just in times when I am a little bit stressed out, yes, massively important to have that outlet.
1: Absolutely. And um, so the transition from that to, to, to what you're doing now. Yeah. So can we talk about those early days? What was the inspiration? For can of water.
0: So, yeah, it's a weird one. So my... Me and my friends went on a trip to Thailand. We never cared about plastic pollution. I always say to people, and there are people in the room that, you know, that, that knew me growing up, you know, I, I always uh, caught, I always say that I was part of the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, smoked cigarette, flicked out the window, didn't care about the environment. I was, you know, I, it, it wasn't on my agenda.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, now I like to say that I'm part of, uh, of a solution. And I think that, you know, I'm, I'm by no means an environmentalist. You know, we... Stumbled upon something that was, you know, that that, that 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 came from 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 an idea that sort of spiraled into something absolutely crazy. But essentially, you know, three best friends who saw a problem and became completely and utterly obsessed with trying to, um, like, is there a solution here? Is there, is, there, is there something that, how can we create a really cool brand that that, that, that makes a dif- that made a difference or can make a difference? And I think 90, 90% of people, and this is why I like talking about my childhood, I think 90% of people would have the idea of, shall we put water in a can? And I think that any 90 percent of people will just be like, "No, that's, that's just stupid." and then they'll just get on with their life. And you know the amount of times where I've sat with friends and we've come up with ideas and they've been wacky before can of water. Or even during of Water, when I've come up with an idea, you know, a lot of people, they're very skeptical about disrupting things or about disruptive brands, and they instantly think of a million ways of how something can't work. Mm -hmm. And that's the way that our DNA, you know, that's the way that we're brought up. And, you know, most of the time you'll mention your idea and someone will put it down, and it might be your closest friend. And I think that. You know, we, we went on a journey with Can of Water. The three of us had full-time jobs in, 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 in other worlds, and um, we started to do some research. None of us had any, um, you know, we're not scientists. We couldn't create a, a material that just disintegrated in thin air. Um, we looked at different pa- different pack- different packaging that obviously you 've got glass which is already on the market. It is very recyclable it 's a bit too heavy. Um, the carbon footprint of glass isn 't isn't, isn't the greatest because of its heaviness. A lot of places are banned glass. Could it go up against the plastic bottle? Probably not because it 's not as sort of on the go you 've got tetra pack, which is obviously your, your cartons of milk, which isn 't very recyclable because it 's fused with aluminium paper and plastic and Mm -hmm. it isn't as recyclable as as it might look and then you look at cans and you know cans a lot of people look at a can and you think no that can't be as recyclable but 70% of cans that were produced in the 1800s are just still in circulation so this can could have been a million other cans this can 60 days ago could have been a Coke can could have been a Red Bull can 100 years ago this can could have been uh, you know something else so uh, they're infinitely recyclable. Mm-hmm. Uh, the infrastructure of cans are incredible. So if you see in American movies, you might see homeless people walking around with cans. That's because cans have an intrinsic value to them. So people, even if you threw this can out of your car window, which I advise not to, someone somewhere will collect it and it will most probably end up in the recycling centre mm-hmm. because, um, because it's, it's, it's worth something. Mm-hmm. And that is why cans have such a high recycling rate Mm. So so we sort of stumbled upon this, and we just think to ourselves, "Why on earth has no one put water in a can?" And you know, all of the same things that all of you guys probably thought when you first heard of, uh, like you know, you might not have heard of cano water before, but if you had, most people think, "Well, you can't close a can. You can't see the water." Is it going to taste weird? Like, it it, it is so weird and so foreign to what we're used to Mm -hmm. that most people just get scared. And I think that the three of us and the DNA inside the three of us were like... Can I swear? Who do you go for? Fuck it. it. <laughs> We're gonna do this. Um, and we are not gonna take no as an answer. You know, we grew up in a place and a community where there's a lot of doubters. You know, I grew up in a place where there's a lot of doubters, everyone knows everyone, mm-hmm. and it is very it, it can be quite uh, negative, negative and scary because you know I have family. I had family friends that would say to my dad, like, "What is he doing? Why is he doing this?" And you know, you have to sort of just block that all out and. Um We, you know, we came up with the idea of can of water and we just, as I said, we just just wouldn't take no as an answer. And that was our mentality. And I, I say this a lot of the time, like if we were in the drinks industry, we never would have come up with can of water because it's so stupid to most people in the drinks industry. But it needed, you know, three people, naive idiots who basically were like, you know, we were all sort of dropouts yeah. in, in, our, in our own right. And, and it was like it needed the three of us to sort of come together and be like, all right, we're, we're doing this. And I think that, you know, that is that is the, the sort of the start of where this this disruptive mentality began. OK. Interesting. So then how did you...
1: What were the first steps in terms of uh, investment and interest? How did you start? Who did you approach? Uh, I can imagine that was quite kind of scary to think of.
0: Yeah, do you know what? It, our journey was very... Our journey was very weird, and it was very... Like, it, it, it was like it was meant to be, mm-hmm. uh, because... There was a lot of negativity, but then there was also a lot of things that just happened. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd like to go into a bit of detail. No one had ever in the world put water in a can. So we had to create that. Mm-hmm. You know, we also couldn't taste water in a can. Um, and no one had ever filled cans of water. So we had to basically create the. Uh, let's just say like the hamster wheel for the next people really who now are putting water in cans because it had never been done so we, we created the blue, the blueprint in essence and um, we called everyone every co-packer so people that fill products and cans all across the world and no one was willing to do it so we went on a journey and as I said before, like within the mentor type, uh, you know, side of things, we would call up someone who couldn't do it, who knew someone and that person couldn't do it, but they knew someone. It was like that sort of like, we, 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 we've got to go on a journey and we, as I said, we can't take no as an answer and we're going for it. And that really was was, was the journey for the first sort of six to eight months. And what we did that, you know, looking back now and I have a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and founders who come to me and they say, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to get from A to Z. And it's like I say to him, don't you don't need to get from A to Z. You just need to get from A to B. And you just need to you need to decide what that is. You need yeah. a map. You need a, you know, you know, what is the next step? And. um what we did is we basically created a brand that didn't exist because what we needed we needed about 60 or 70,000 pounds because in order to fill um, and print on cans you need 150,000 units of each mm-hmm. so we needed 150,000 steel and 150,000 sparkling so that was 300,000 cans that we needed before we could even take a sip, sip. of water in a can yeah and That was scary. Terrifying. I was funding it with my DJ money, which wasn't a lot. So it was like I was bootstrapping the business. I was putting like £500 here, £600 here. I would, by the end of the month, have zero in my bank account. And I would need like my next DJ job or or I was working in events at the time. And it was scary. And what we did, um, we basically said to our car manufacturers, we were like, we need cans. Like we can't go out and... um, and they were like, "Well, we can't give you cans of water, but we have a re- we have a resealable lid." And I don't know if any of you guys have seen it, but we found a resealable lid on page ten of Google, which was just had never been used before. It was a complete fluke, and um, we launched with this resealable lid. And the resealable lid company basically said, "Listen, if you if you give us like you know five hundred pounds, we'll send you five hundred cans. It won't be uh, there; will just be silver cans, so no branding on it, mm-hmm. and it will be." It will be filled with sparkling lemongrass a sparkling (laughs) lemongrass drink but you can brand them and you can make out as if it's your prototype okay so what we basically did is we created this incredible brochure that looked amazing of this fake brand that didn't exist called cano water and um, we got these 500 cans of sparkling lemongrass and um what we did is we would go to work at our full-time jobs we'd come home um, and every evening we would basically create this conveyor belt where one of us would uh, mask and tape the top of the can <laughs> one of us would spray paint the can either black or white and then the last one would wrap the can with a uh, with a vinyl sure. and it would basically look like this it was like, here's our can, can. Of water. Yeah. So what we did is we basically started sending out emails to people. And the, the, the first two people that we sent out to was London Fashion Week and Selfridges. Mm-hmm. And we basically just, we went in as if we had this product when we, we didn't. And it was like, it was that typical fake it to make it mentality. Yeah. It was like we had nothing. We just had this, this fake thing. And um, we just waited. We had no money, with no investors. You know, my, I remember uh, going into the kitchen once at my family home and my, my sister turned around to my dad and said something like, what is he doing? It's just the most stupid idea. Like who is gonna buy a can of water? And lo and behold, after two weeks, London Fashion Week emailed us back and they basically said we're obsessed with this, we want you to be the main sponsors of London Fashion Week and we were like fuck, how (laughs) on earth are we gonna like we've got no product or any brand and Selfridges emailed us and we talk about like weird moments, Selfridges emailed us saying hi guys can you come in ASAP for a meeting Mm -hmm. and we were like this is the weirdest thing and we went in for a meeting and the buyer turned around and he said I've just joined Selfridges a week ago My first project is by the head of Selfridges, the owner of Selfridges, is to get rid of all plastic bottles. If you had emailed me a week, like if you had emailed Selfridges two weeks before, you would have probably, or a year before, you would have got you would have got ignored, and a year later you would have been uh, you would have been too, too late. late. Yeah. You emailed me the week I joined, and it was like that that like, like mad moment of like wow. Yeah. And I think at that point we were like wow, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna be massive entrepreneurs, and we're gonna sell out, and they're gonna buy the three hundred thousand cans that we need, and they bought. 200 cans from us, <laughs> but it enabled us to get investment, our first round of investment, and I think that you know, investment for us was it was it was a journey, uh, but we used the Selfridges, um, you know, and the London Fashion Week piece to basically we used that as a vehicle mm-hmm. to go to the next level so when i talk about that that not going from a to z it was that a to b that got us to that to, to c and i think that my you know my, my learnings were to just go with it and not just you know if we had just tried to get investment we, ne- we never would have got it so we yeah. had to we had to get that that piece to get to the next stage absolutely and having events like Fashion Week that helps right so is that
1: this marketing
0: you know massively and i think that you know we never knew what journey we were going on like we we had no idea what the we were so naive and you know i was 22 years old i had a failed business uh when i was 19 um which it was in events it was uh, it was it was an incredible business i had no um i had no business experience so it failed mainly because of a family problem and there was uh, a, a, an issue with my my co-founder as well that it so it, it just it just didn't it just didn't work out and but i'd experienced failure mm-hmm. which are, for me was the greatest thing to ever happen because i learned so much about me yeah. and i learned a lot about how important it is to uh I, you know, when when that business failed, I never saw light at the end of the tunnel. I never thought I'd get anything else, mm-hmm. and I was I was severely, severely depressed after that. And I think what I've learned now is actually just keep going and and embrace failure. Mm-hmm. So the event, like, I, I didn't know I didn't know what was going to happen, but but what did happen after the um, you know after fashion week and, and Selfridges and all those things is. It enabled us to get the investment, and it enabled us to to create this brand. But it was from that from that moment on, it was probably the hardest three or four years that i've ever endured after Mm -hmm. that
1: i'm sure it was yeah and uh notoriously supermarkets a difficult market to to get you know products on shelves how did you manage to get it uh stocked
0: i think that you know it's, it's it's important but you know before we got the supermarkets i think that the supermarkets are hard to get but when you've got a can of water and people think that you're mental which i'll talk about that because i think that that's an incredibly important part of the the the, the journey getting in anywhere yeah. is it is it is hard you know it, it isn't as easy as something like oh yeah we've we we, we we've created this product and you see you can see a hundred of them and we've just got a new design it's Try, imagine calling up someone and telling them that you've got a can of water and they can't see what it looks like, what it feels, what it tastes like. We had selfridges, we had London Fashion Week, and for three years we literally got laughed at, it. and it was so. So the supermarkets bit is something that you know people always say oh josh you've absolutely smashed it you're in tesco's and you're here and i'm like you just don't understand (laughs) like first of all you don't understand how we got there the pain and the suffering and the reality um and how difficult it is to deal with those people but it's actually they're not the accounts that we are proud of Mm. you know the ones that we're actually proud of are the the bread and butter independent small independent cafes and all those types of things because they're actually the people that took the leap making the jump you know they're 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 the ones and you know my my experience was an, an honest experience is start work in the morning call 100 people 99 of them would laugh down the phone one of them would think about it and i would most probably go home um one of us would probably go home either in tears or basically saying to each other we can't come back tomorrow because and, and we would use each other um to lean on mm-hmm. because it was so difficult yeah. and i think that's where i learned my, probably, that's where I learned my, the, the, like my, that's where I got my thick skin from. When I first started can of water, I didn't have the thick skin I have today. Mm-hmm. I got upset extremely easily. And I think as, a, as anyone in business knows, every single day, you have to deal with shit. Mm-hmm. And it might look like it's all great. Yeah. But... Ten shit things happen, and one good thing happens, and that's just the reality for all, for, for, for us. Per, for, for us, like um, you know, that the the highs are you know the highs are high, but the lows are really really low. And I think that that's you know that that's made me a, a, you know a much better all rounded all rounded person. But you know there was a massive turning point, and I, and I like I like to talk about this because um, I think this it's, it's it's a point in in Calloway's journey that, that has really really helped. Like that that, that I that I like to talk about because I think that it's, it's a good story to show that if you keep banging away and if you keep chipping away, it, it, it makes it all worth it. But for three years, we were getting nowhere. We were building this little brand that me and the two boys thought that, you know, the three of us thought, oh my God storms he's holding a can or you know some random person that no one knows that we knew because it was cool <laughs> was holding a can the reality is no one knew can of water mm-hmm. you know no one knew who it was no one was seeing it and we brought in a managing director and you know he, he looked at the numbers and he was like listen boys you've got something like you do have something but the reality is the business is going solvent you know there's you you you're not really getting anywhere, no one's really buying it, the sales are shit, it's you you, you you can build the brand, but you're just going to run out of money. Yeah. and you're going to need to keep diluting, and you're raising money. It's just it's just not going to work. And are you even going to raise money? You know, with a, So he basically said, and I I I be, I, I became I've been everything at Cannon Water. I I've been the guy in the in the warehouse building the pallets to the operations person, the salesperson. The, the, I've been everything at Cannon Water. I sweep the floors if I have to, and I've always been that that yes man person. Um, and I and I and I did a deep dive and and and, and very much. Got involved in in, in the operations, and, and me and my MD basically we looked at it and we said we've got six months, and if we don't turn things around in six months, we hang our hats up high. We accept that you know we've done our absolute best, um, mm-hmm. but it just didn't work, and we just have to accept it. And even though it would kill me, and it'll be another failure. We went in for it, and we did. We did our absolute best, and um, you know that, that was a really painful thing to to accept. But we went on the, you know, we just we just gave it our all. Mm-hmm. And um, on the fifth month, I remember I was I was I was actually sitting in bed a few nights before and thinking like planning my next journey, my next project, business. Before, yeah, know. yeah. I had no money really. I was DJing, but I kind of had taken over. And on the fifth month, David Attenborough did Blue Planet. And I'll never forget it. Like, everything felt like a waste of time. It never felt like we were planting a seed. It just felt like... It felt like the garden was just never growing. Like, you were, you were planting the seed, and, the, and it was just...
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Fucked. Nothing to and, shame um, for shame. Yeah. on the last month, um, David Attenborough did Blue Planet, and I'll never forget it. Oh, there, was, there was this episode of Blue Planet where the, this whale had died, and its child was crying in the water, and it died from plastic pollution. And I remember getting a call from a friend of mine being like, mate... Tomorrow, your life's going to change. I'm telling you. And I just was like, yeah, whatever, because I was so used to negativity. I was so used to the, the the shit of being laughed down the phone and thinking that are we flogging a dead horse? Are we the only people that believe in this? And when I tell you that the next 48 hours and for the next month was just mental. It was it was it was incredibly powerful for me as a person. Um, to see that every single person that we had ever called Mm -hmm. was calling us up and saying, "Uh, I know that I laughed down the phone at you, (laughs) um, but we've gone on the same journey as you. and We actually can also see that cans are a lot more recyclable. And it was like... Fuck, we've actually, the seed that we planted actually started growing. Mm-hmm. And we actually started to see, you know, there's, there's, there's a visual uh, post that I saw years ago of this guy with a hammer, and he's hammering through dirt. And it, you, you can see that there is a, there's, like, there's a diamond but he can't see it, mm-hmm. and there's another picture of him walking away from it. But you can see that he's so close to it, but he can't see it. And you know, me and my me and my business partner Ariel used to always say that like, we're on the cusp. We're on the cusp, and that really for us, you know, was it. And we were so close to turning away, and we were so close to just, you know, uh, not 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 going to the next level. And in from from 2015 to 2018. Um, We had only sold like a few hundred thousand cans, which in the grand scheme of it, it's just it's literally zero. And uh, in 2019, we sold 12 million cans. Wow. So we went from, you know, just being the most stupid fad ever to being this business that actually had substance. And I think, you know, for myself as a founder, I'd never felt prouder, but I also, as, as an individual that suffered severely from, you know, mental health and all these, diff, you know, like just a massive imposter syndrome, it gave me that kick of actually... You know what? Maybe I actually have got something to offer.
1: Yeah. So we have David Atterborough to thank for everything. Thanks,
0: David. Yeah, I've actually yeah. I've met him and thanked him a few times. He's, <laughs> good, yeah, lovely guy. Yeah. Good, 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 good.
1: <laughs> so yeah. obviously you reached that success. I want to talk about this new relaunch. You've just uh, redesigned. Cana Water
0: 2.0. Yeah. Uh, why the relaunch? So I think that you know we've learned when, 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 when launching CannaWater, Water. You know it was very much. My business partner, Perry, is an incredible designer, uh, you know, real visionary when it comes to the look and feel of things. And he he designed a great can, Mm -hmm. but it was very much what we believed it should look like. So the old can, if you guys haven't seen it, you know, it's got a sort of very small logo here and it's very minimalistic, uh, a bit too cool. And (laughs) it it didn't, it didn't emphasize on Cano, which is obviously the name of the brand. And I think, you know, we, 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 when starting Cano Water, we didn't have any, um, we couldn't scream and shout about Cano because who the fuck's Cano? Cano. Do you know what I mean, <laughs> who is Cano? We had to tell everyone that this product is not a beer, it's not an energy drink. Yes, actually, really, this is a can of, can of water, and mm-hmm. people were like, "Why is it mad?" You know, me, me, and my business partner Ariel, we'd be at events and we'd be able to hand out cans to people, and we we used to have a game where we would read people's lips after they got a can, and the the, the response was always like. You can imagine, like, (laughs) what on earth is this? This is pathetic. And then it was funny to watch people's journeys because like an hour later they would come back and they'd be like you know what I thought that this was so stupid Mm -hmm. and now so that's always people's journey it's always like this circle where they start very confused and then they sort of they think about it and actually like ah yeah it makes sense like a bit of a like a light bulb moment yeah but this this relaunch is probably the biggest thing that we've done to date and um, one of the reasons is is to make more noise on Cano obviously the brand and the logo is very small, and we've had everyone from Bill Gates, Drake, Ed Sheeran, everyone holding our can, and they always hold it, covering the logo. So we've made it very apparent by putting, you know, logos <laughs> on every single side. And you know, this is this is an evolution as well. And. You know, we're not the only canned water out there anymore. You know, our vision from day one has always been to remove a billion plastic bottles within the next 10 years by, you know, replacing them with infinitely recyclable cans and to also inspire other people to put their water into cans you know we want the Cokes of the world we want the Evian's of the world to put water in a can they are doing it they're not stopping their enormous plastic production Mm -hmm. and that's because they make more money from plastic and their margins and their companies are geared for plastic Mm -hmm. and we are we scare them enormously and they're not going into um, fully cans anytime soon which is a massive massive shame Mm. um so we need to make more noise around the name Cano Water because, you know, that's, that's who we are and we're proud to, you know, yeah. we need to scream and shout more about it. Yeah. So you're not scared of competition? You know, it's, it's part of it. It's. it's... I think the, the first time I saw a competitor brand, I didn't sleep for three nights and um, I just, you know, was petrified because... How horrible is it to feel like you're the first people to? And it, don't get me wrong, we still we, we're not a we're not a global brand. Mm. You know, we, we still haven't we've accomplished things, but you know, we still I'm still in a risk I'm still in a risky business. You know, it's not um, it's not like I'm getting on my yacht. You know, this <laughs> is very you know, I, I uh, only a year ago I couldn't pay my mortgage. You know, so it's not. Uh, it's, it's not all, all sunshine and I think that it's, I, I actually like talking about that because I think that there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that, that, don't, that, that don't talk about that and I think it's actually very important to talk about that but competition is scary um, it also fuels me mm-hmm. to do better what doesn't scare me about competition is me and my team because these people have got all the money in the world but their marketing is shit. Mm. And water is the sleepiest industry. It's not like energy drinks. Mm -hmm. It's not like the soft drinks market where people are going mad. It is, if I asked anyone what was the last thing that they uh, saw from a water brand, they're probably gonna say the shit Evian advert of a baby dancing 10 years (laughs) ago, if any of you saw it. That is the, that's who we're up against. Yeah, yeah. So all we've got to do is just wake it up, and yeah. that's what kind of, you know, when we, I remember, I, uh, I sat in a meeting with the owner of, I'm going to say it because I, I, don't, I, I don't really care, I never used to say it, but the owner of Innocent Smoothies, I sat in a meeting with him, and he laughed me out of the room at, in the beginning of Can of Water because he said, why would anyone want to drink from a can? The plastic problem's not that bad because he sells shitloads of plastic. It looks good, but you'll never get into Tesco. Two months ago, I got invited to Innocent Smoothie's head office to teach all of their creative and marketing team how to build an organic brand because they're cutting budgets. And they needed me, little can I walk... And I think that... That's the mentality of a lot of corporate people. Mm -hmm. That's why it doesn't necessarily, competition doesn't necessarily scare me from the big corporates because the way that they think is actually 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. But we've always got to be thinking 10 steps ahead. Because if I thought, if I didn't think about competition, then we will get overtaken very, very easily. And there are some amazing brands out there that are in in cans, water, that are doing amazing things. And, you know, I've also accepted that, you know, we might be on the shelf alongside 10 other canned waters, just like you see Evian, Buxton, Highland Spring, you know, all of these, you know, and Mm -hmm. there's there's probably 20 brands that I could tell you that are 50 to a hundred million pound businesses that you wouldn't even know of. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, mm-hmm. just, they're just, they're not even brands. Yeah. So I think that I've, my, the days of me getting scared are still here, but it fuels me to make sure that me and my team are 10 steps ahead when it comes, and especially in, in, in the world that we live in now, I actually think that we scare them. Yeah. A lot more, yeah, because we are a lot more well versed when it comes to today's
1: society. Mm. It's motivational, but then also you're you're going for the same goal, right? It's mm. to eliminate plastic, yeah. Right. Um, you mentioned um. um I'm not sure if you want to reveal, but you you have a, an investor who's yep. kind of been silent for a while.
0: But uh, did you want to? Yeah, no. So yeah, we uh, today actually we've announced that Ricky Gervais is one of our uh, new investors that's Great. come onto the come into the business. He's you know he, he's invested a large portion in in our our latest round. You know it's, it's for 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 me. You know it's it's incredibly powerful for myself and the other founders. Um, to have someone of that calibre come in you know he for us we always thought that we you know it was just us so to have people like him and there will be some other very large names that we'll be mentioning in the the next couple of uh, couple of months that will also be coming in Um, he's just the first and he's sort of you know he's given us the green light to to talk about it but you know for for, for people like Ricky who get presented an idea a hundred ideas a week yeah you know yeah to get involved in the business and for someone like him who cares about the environment and animals you know to get involved it's it's really really motivating you know as well you know our our chairman is the ex-president. He was there for 30 years. The ex-president of Heineken. Mm-hmm. He came on board last year, and it has been a massive inspiration. You know, the caliber of people, whether it be venture capitalists, uh, people that have been in private equity, or e- even just very successful angel entrepreneurs, is just is really, really insightful and really you know gives myself and the other guys the confidence that you know we're we're on you know we're on the right track and um you nice. know we're, we're creating an incredible brand
1: absolutely and um before we open it up to to the to questions obviously one club we're, we're based on community how important is community
0: or how important has it been for the development of Canada water i think it's massively important like in, in so I, I grew up in a community um, environment, and I've always seen massive positives um, within community, mm. um, especially with leveraging and and not just leveraging from a sense of using, but more of a helping each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is massively important. You know, one thing that I've always I've always seen as a gift of mine. Um, is I can one of my strengths is I can get anything done anything um, I only really saw that power come into fruition in the past sort of six, seven years once I started to gain or five six years when I started to gain a lot more confidence within canna water, but I think that I go out to my community and the people that I meet. Um, that's sort of like in my own personal networking sort of community, mm-hmm. I think it's massively important because it might, it will take you 10 times longer to do it yourself sometimes.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Sometimes all you have to do is just pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. And that can be really scary sometimes because you, you might get a little bit nervous about what, what, what are people are going to think. and But actually, 90% of the time, yeah. people just want to help you. Problem shares, like, problem think that, that Yeah, and- I, exactly. And I think that that is, the, that is like one of the biggest mind switches for me is everyone comes to me and I never go to anyone. And I've learned now that actually... You know, I also need to need to go out more, um, and I have. I've started to. So, you know, I, I think community is incredibly important. And how amazing is it to you know to be able to to ha- ha- have a community and have people to talk to and people to network with and. Yeah, I think I think I think it's uh, feel supported massively. Yeah, massively. massively. Let's open it up to some questions.
1: Um, yes, Adam.
0: How important was uh, sourcing the water? Um, did you speak obviously about the can. You speak about the camel like, For sure, that must have been a big part, like getting the water right and that sort of process. Good question. So we—it was a funny one because we landed in our source, but it also was very important. So we. Originally wanted UK water Mm -hmm. because we're from the UK. It makes more environmental sense, etc., etc. But we also wanted a really good quality water because I think that that is massively important, especially when it comes to brand within the UK. So price is very important, brand is very important, and also um, source is very important. Um, We called as I said, we called everyone. Worldwide, Can you can water? Can you can water? No, we can't. No, we can't. Two, two reasons is because um, this, is a, this has a still can of water. If you didn't do certain things, this can would just be flimsy. So what happens is you need a shot of nitrogen that goes in the can. So when you open a can, it goes... Pssst, And that's because it's got a shot of air that basically keeps the can rigid and hard like this. Whereas on a sparkling can, obviously the carbonation keeps it. So that was one thing. Secondly, you need to give the pipes an acidic clean because if you imagine what is going through the pipes on an everyday basis, energy drinks, orange juice coca-cola if you put water through those pipes and they haven't been cleaned our water would just taste of a touch of orange juice or a touch of red bull and it's happened to a lot of brands who have made this mistake so it was incredibly important for us to find the um the people that could do it properly otherwise we'll just end up having you know hurdles every left right and center and that's what's happened with a lot of brands that have tried it they've gone to places that they've just taken a punt they've done it they've their water tastes of blueberry and then like they've then got an insurance claim on their hands so we made sure very meticulously that Things were done proper. It just happened, and this is another like weird moment that the resealable lid people that we had found were five miles away from the only people in the world that would that actually told us that they would can water, and the they had a spring on their land that was incredible Austrian Alps spring water. That um, they sent us some water and it tasted incredible, and the cans also were 10 miles away from, from where they were made. So even though they were coming from Austria and they weren't coming from the UK, whereas a lot of people in the UK, the water's coming from there and the bottle's coming from there. And we accepted that actually, we either can't get over this hurdle because it's not as environmental as we'd want it to be, and can of water will never st- begin because we can't get it in the UK, or we just do it. And we were very fortunate that, you know, we tasted the water. The water was absolutely incredible. The people that actually put the water in the cans, the people that can for Red Bull um, in Austria. They are an incredible organization that basically looked at the three of us boys as Complete lunatics for putting water in a can, and half of the people—I don't know if anyone knows any Austrians here—but they would just laugh down the phone at us. It was just the weirdest thing of, like, ha ha ha! It would never work, but why not? We'll do it. And it was just that type <laughs> of like—it was a very weird mentality. But they—they they actually liked us, and they basically—they—they—they they, they, they said to us, you know what? We—we really—we want you to succeed, and they—they they basically. They now use us as a bit of a pilot because, and, and as, as a bit of a case study because it's funny. Now, there's probably about 50 brands. There's probably about five or 600 million ca- cans of water that are being made with them now because of us. And... Um, it's there, uh, you know, that, 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 that that's funny. So the water was... The water is incredibly important. And the funny thing is, so many UK co-packers come to us now and they say, oh, yeah, we can do this. One the water is massively important would we bring it here but no company in the uk right now can get the best quality get a better quality of water for the price that we need and also that can meet our demands because we are making probably anything from 30 to 40 million cans a year um and no one can keep up with demand. The only place that can is the place that we luckily started with in Austria. That's awesome, man! yeah, it tastes really good. It thank you, really good. thank you. Anybody else?
1: Have you done any research in terms of the impacts? Of it? Does the aluminium
0: impact of the water anyway? So we were talking about properties that are in the water. For sure. So one of the things that... um, It's it's funny. There's like a rumour that's out there, but it's not really a cleared rumour. It's... uh, Basically, there is a... Some people say that there's a plastic lining in cans. It's something that has been going around for many, many years. Uh, It's not a plastic lining. It's It's basically like it's a lacquer, so it's a glue. And what that is, is it protects... Us from any sort of, you know, any nasties that go into the water. Uh, so drinking out of cans is, is very, very, very safe, um, and that is massively important. One of the things to mention as well with plastic bottles, there's, you know, there are health implications. You might have heard, or you might have seen, if you leave a plastic bottle in your car overnight and it's been hot, you'll see that it's become very murky and. All of the water has sort of stuck to the, to the edge of the bottle that 's because the heat has basically uh, caused that to happen and that 's where carcinogenics can sometimes leach into the, um, into the water and you, will, um, you might have heard of BPA so that's you know that 's an, an ingredient called bisphenol, which is within plastic and one of the greatest things about cans and one of the reasons why we always were very sort of confident about cans is heat and light can't penetrate a can so even with the lacquer inside, the heat and the light can't even get into that so it's very very safe, the properties are very safe and that was a big thing for us because us as um, individuals were incredibly cautious about the health implications with plastic because there are a lot of There are a lot of sort of things around the plastic, uh, you know, the health implications. We wanted to make sure, like, what is it versus an aluminium can? Mm. Thank you. Talking about health... uh came up with an idea or how did you guys come up with the idea of building a plastic bottle from a human blood so that was an April Fools joke but I'm glad we got you so me and and my creative agency came up with that Um, and the reason that so what we did is we we did an April Fools joke that was basically the world's first plastic bottle made out of human microplastics and the reason why why it actually isn't funny is because we all have microplastics in us and they've done studies and it's in tap water and it's in the air and it's in our stools and that is something that is fact you know it's not this isn't a myth this is This is something and you know it's it's um, it's it's a, it's a scary scary to, you know, i think that if i can't remember the exact statistic but i think within a month we ingest a credit card worth of plastic that's disgusting uh, which is yeah. disgusting and that's you know that is because of how much plastic and microplastics i i actually went to a cornwall beach and the whole beach without fail there was one of the people said to me what do you think of the beach? I was like, yeah, it's, what about it? She was like, it's, it's amazing, it's all sand, right? And I was like, yeah, it looks a bit weird colour. She was like, yeah, none of it's sand anymore. That's all microplastics. <laughs> it's all plastic. And when you actually... So what it's was all, the colour of the sand? It was, like a... it was a weird, it, was, it wasn't a sandy colour. It was right. just weird. And it's, I think it was called like, no, I can't remember the word, it was like, uh, I can't remember what the yeah. word was, but she basically showed me with a sieve, she basically put it in... in, in, in um, in the sand, then went over to the water, uh, and and it was just just all plastic. All plastic. Tiny, 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 tiny specks of plastic everywhere. And that's what's happening, and that's the problem with plastic that a lot of people don't talk about, is what happens is, if anyone doesn't know... you'll see Coca-Cola you'll see Evian you'll see all these brands saying that their product is recyclable plastic is recyclable that's where they get us is it getting recycled there's a big difference between recyclable and recycled that's where the greenwashing happens all this fake bullshit of yes it's recyclable so we as consumers are like oh it's recyclable it's recyclable but what happens is when you recycle a can, it never loses its quality, and it will always come back as another can. So this can will just become another can. Plastic bottle, you recycle it once, and it it, it might come back as another plastic bottle but what will happen is is that the colour will get murkier and murkier Mm -hmm. and murkier that's why I don't know if any of you saw Sprite went from a green bottle to a white bottle because they basically they they couldn't do the green bottle anymore because of recycling and what happens is is if you you really really don't want to drink out of a of a a plastic bottle that's been recycled more than five or six times because it is so dirty Mm -hmm. and it gets murkier and murkier that the plastic industry Basically, can't sell it anymore because you would you would look at the plastic as you'd look at it as that's disgusting. It looks filthy and yeah. So what happens is they, they then go and try and make shoelaces or or park benches or 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 or, or they start doing things in the roads or tyres. And over time, what happens is is that those things start to break mm-hmm. and they start to form these microplastics that basically end up everywhere.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Whereas a can will always become a can plastic will just it's just going to end up and has ended up everywhere yeah and the smaller it gets it just becomes particles that we end up eating that's mm-hmm. in our fish and in our that we can't even see yeah and that's basically what where that april Fools' post came from <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. that's obviously effective yeah exactly yeah.
1: um i think we'll end it there can uh, everybody join me in thanking josh white
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Redefined Podcast. We want to bring you the best stories from the top changemakers across the globe. To make that possible, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening and leave a comment or review. It really is that simple. Thank you again for listening and we'll see you for the next episode.